Um, hi, I'm Anthony. Um, first time podcaster. Uh, yeah, first time podcaster for me as well. I'm Dan, and uh, long time listener of podcasts. But yeah, also long time listener of podcasts. Yeah, so should we dive into? Um, we should probably say what the podcast is about um, before we dive that into it. Right, that would help. Yeah, we, we've introduced ourselves, so th- this is going well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we we've basically we've we've talked about this for a while, haven't we? In terms of trying to put together a, a conversation about health and safety that's maybe a little bit less boring um, and maybe a bit more accessible to people who know health and safety is important but find it overwhelming to get into it and that that's kind of where i'm coming from at this what is do you share those and we probably should have talked about this before but do you do you share do you share those thoughts yeah or like do you want something else yeah, out no, of this? no i do i mean um if you kind of have a look at the catalog of of health and safety podcasts there aren't that many um and honestly quite a lot of them are boring uh, when I when I kind of mentioned to my family that this is something that we were going to think about, um, they went, oh, you're going to have to keep that short. And you're like, wow, okay. Not only do we need to keep it interesting, we need to keep it short because obviously people yeah. think health and safety is boring. Well, the amount of conversations that we have that mm. is kind of, well, hang on. If, if this was being done like this, if it was being done safer, if it was being done right first time, if it was being done with with everything going the way that it should go, it's all sorts of other things, not just safer. Um, it's also cheaper. It's also less stressful. It's also um, more commercially viable. Um, and I think that's the kind of stuff that we're going to be getting into rather than the um, the kind of the legislation side that loads of people know about already. It's more about the enablement that that safety brings to projects. I think there's like two things I've picked up there in terms of what we want to get out of this or we want to give to other people is framing safety as as a performance Mm. tool, as like a a pathway to getting to really successful, um, really impactful and profitable business, Mm. as well as at the same time, you get the benefit of like, you get a really good reputation with your own employees. You get a reputation with the wider industry that you work in. Um, and, and generally, like, it's one of those enablers. It's not the only enabler. There are other enablers to being able to get a good reputation and reaching performance. But I always think for such a long time, safety is, and, and safety and health, both of them, are framed as disablers or things that are difficult or things that slow work or projects or wherever it is you down and and we've talked so many times about we you and I both got into this industry because we believe deep down that this is an enabler to success as well as kind of just ticking boxes and and making sure you've done everything that you're supposed to yeah yeah definitely um I think a lot of people see it as a bolt-on as well like an additional thing that they do as well as delivering stuff rather than using it to help you deliver that stuff. Um, everything through um, supply chain and contractor management through to selecting the right materials through to setting um, deadlines that are actually achievable rather than putting undue pressure on people. All of that stuff that isn't kind of seen as safety has a massive impact on safety. So. Um, and on the 
on the project. Well, I, I think we were, we were kind of talking earlier before we started the podcast that we needed a main topic for today. Uh, I think we've nailed that. <laughs> <laughs> so our main topic for today is safety as a performance enabler. Um, and uh, yeah, so we've done that in the wrong order, but I, maybe we jump on to have a look at some health and safety news now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so um, yeah, let's discuss what's uh, currently going on in the news and on social media. So have you seen last night, I think it was about sort of three, four in the afternoon yesterday, uh, BBC, oh, again, I need to double check the timings myself, but BBC News released a uh, breaking news report that Legionnaire's disease had been discovered on Bibby Stockholm, the yeah. barge that's currently being used to house refugees who have crossed the channel yeah, um, I did down in see Portland. That. I did see that and my my kind of um my instant reaction was kind of a bit of a face palm on i mean it, it's been controversial anyway hasn't it um the use of this barge um has been seen as pretty controversial along with the kind of rwanda immigration policy uh, yeah. that this government has uh, has announced um so that was my kind of first reaction on how can somebody knowing that that what they're doing is going to um, grab the media's attention and grab the public's interest, not do such a basic thing as sampling the water on board, um, yeah. just as any other business is expected to do. Yeah, um, yeah, big time. If, yeah. Yeah, so that so was I, kind of my initial reaction. What about you? Yeah, so I, I again, like you're right, it's, it's a politically charged situation, like there's a lot of opinions around it. But for me, like it was when the news report came up yesterday, I, I've kind of been I've been aware of Bibby Stockholm. I've been aware of what's going on and, and the policies that um, the conservative government at the moment are trying to implement. But it was the first time I'd seen a picture of Bibby Stockholm. Mm -hmm. And my first mm -hmm. I genuinely thought it was a snapshot from the new Fallout game. <laughs> that was like, yeah. I literally looked yeah. at it and went, that looks like a level on Fallout 6 or whatever number we're on now. Like something that you would have in a nuclear apocalypse game. And I'm kind of laughing about it a little bit. But I say that because when you look at um when you look at the risks associated with Legionnaire's disease or Legionella's or, or or whichever term you want to use mm. for it. And um, like it ticks so many of the boxes of this is high risk just by looking at it. Like it's a contained water system. So, you know, you're not, it's not necessarily mains fed. There's going to be water tanks on there. Um, it's old. You can literally see rust on the pictures. Mm. Um, like it, it looks like it's run down. It's, I think it was originally built in the seventies. It had a refit in the nineties. So like totally agree with you in terms of if you're going to do something that's for one way or the other is going to be featured in the, in the public domain quite heavily, getting the health and safety right is mm. so important. Um, not just because of your reputational impact, but because you are housing people who have, you know, traveled across potentially thousands of miles to get to safety and get away from a dangerous mm. situation. And, you know, they don't, don't want to have made all that effort to then come and live in conditions where they're at risk of getting an illness that, like you said yourself, is such a basic way to man, like Legionnaires sounds scary, 
but actually the management of it is fairly basic and fairly straightforward. I found out on LinkedIn before we came on um, that this has previously been used by the Royal Navy. Um, so as a, All right. as a former um, serviceman myself, um, this, this kind of pricked my ears. Um, and it was known as the Bibi Gothenburg. So I'm not sure whether it was actually this particular vessel or its sister. Mm. Um, but yeah, mm. people at um, Portsmouth Dockyard uh, use this um, type of accommodation uh, while, they, while the ship was in refit. Um, and at the time, there were no concerns about safety. There was no concerns about comfort. Um, from what I'm reading, people have said that it was warm, it was dry, there was a bed and a locker and it was safe. Um, I think that's slightly different because you've got people that are used to living either in or on a tin can in close proximity mm. where mm-hmm. I think the people that the, um, the UK government are looking at putting on these things, um, it might be better than what they previously been used to, but also might be worse than what they've previously been used to. But um, getting such a simple thing like a Legionnaire's checked on um, prior to putting people on, um, seems like a massive on goal. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I would. I, I would definitely well, agree with that. Yeah. Massive I do have a question for you. Um, if that hasn't yeah. been done, what else hasn't been done? Is that kind of is yeah, that well, something the, you've thought of? The, yeah, I, and I think that's the question that naturally goes through any health and safety professionals mind it so often goes through our heads when we see one error we think right other other areas is this thing that's so basic what if that hasn't been done what what are the other elements that haven't Mm -hmm. been done i mean without going into too much detail the fire fighters union um they they put out a statement saying from a fire perspective it's Mm -hmm. a death trap and you know so there's there's so much stuff already in the news that says that this this thing is not not health and safe mm. for purpose um and they're basic things fire safety is a basic thing legionnaires is, is a basic thing um and you would kind of hope that in modern day britain we'd at least got yeah. that right yeah definitely so i um i want to kind of stay away from the political side of this and the UK's immigration policy yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Other people can have that discussion. I think kind of what we're discussing is um, accommodation has been set up for human beings that one mm-hmm. doesn't conform to British legislation and two, mm. um, you wouldn't want your family living there. So why would you want anybody else living there? And I know some people might come yeah. up, come at us saying um, that this is better than the war-stricken country that they've 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 come from, if that's where they have come from, etc. Mm-hmm. But I think all of that, um, while it shouldn't be dismissed, I think it's important. I think what we're kind mm-hmm. of zoning in on is a basic health and safety check that would be required in any UK workplace to ensure that the water mm-hmm. isn't contaminated or has bacteria in it wasn't done while the UK government um, were putting 
asylum asylum seekers. Yeah. Um, they 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 left it too late, basically. So I think they they did the testing two or three days before they they opened the board opened yeah. the barge for people yeah. to board. And you you I mean we we said we sort of said this in the first section is that if you leave things to the last minute, if it becomes a bolt on, and I think this is a really good example, it seems like this is just being a bolt on of we need to do this for compliance. We haven't done it. We better do it. Oh, wait, it's shown us that there's problems. (laughs) So now the whole, like they've had to onboard the whole boat and find alternative solutions. And this whole thing that was supposed to be the, you know, quote unquote, golden Mm. solution to Mm. the problem, um, which, you know, like say, we don't want to get into the politics of it. But it 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 hasn't become that it hasn't become the solution purely because people in government haven't thought about the health and safety element in advance, and now they can't use the barge. So you know whether you argue of whether they should be able to use the yeah. barge or not. The point is that they've left it to the last minute. Health and safety has been a bolt on, and now they can't get out of the barge what yeah. they wanted to. So if you think about it, like any other project. Um, whether it's in manufacturing, whether it's in construction, um, whether it's in any other field, um, that 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 kind of missing, we we want to tick that box towards the end just to make sure that we're doing the right thing. Turns out that you're not doing the right thing, and everything else goes down the drain. Um, I think there's so many um, health and safety professionals um, that would kind of agree that they they. They're getting a bit tired of seeing that. Um, right. So next in the news, uh, we have president-elect of IOSH, Stuart Hughes. Uh, you and I both kind of over the last couple of months really got into the documentaries on Netflix, looking at the Tour de France, yeah. Formula One, Drive to Survive. Really love that. The reason I, I sort of go into that is Stuart Hughes, president-elect for IOSH. He is also the head of health and safety at Petronas AMG Formula One team. And it's so, I've kind of like really got into Formula One recently. I was really into it when I was younger and then I kind of went off it uh, after Michael Schumacher kind of um, retired. And yeah, he, but I've got into it again recently. Um, I love when you look at Formula One, you just see the performance and the precision that goes into it. I think there's so much as a safety profession we could learn from from Formula One in terms of, the ways that they've come on leaps and bounds over the last however many years, mm. improving improving things like health and safety, but also the performance of the car and, and that kind of thing. Um, so super encouraged to see Stuart Hughes has got, you know, the, the presidency for, for the next year or so at IOSH. Mm. But he's written a really good article on SHP Online, um, which is about getting out of, he's basically talking about safety's quote-unquote velvet rut. I was like, that sounds a bit dodge, what's a velvet rut, but like genuinely I would advise reading the article. And what he really gets at in there is this idea that we as a profession have got so comfortable with where we're at. Mm. We're comfortable with standards. We're comfortable that we write, you know, we write a list of things that people have to do and then somebody goes out with a checklist and checks it. We're comfortable with the same metrics that we've got. We're comfortable that, you know, we're comfortable to sit there and if somebody says it's too hard to manage that risk, that risk is, you know, that we just accept, okay, that's what's reasonably practicable. It's too hard to do anything else, so we're not going to try. Mm. Um, so it's super encouraging to read an article like that from the president of IOSH, and, and I'm hoping that, you know, his his tenure in that role is really going to show us uh, as a as an industry and as a, as a profession 
that we we can move forward we can get past the barriers that are in front of us right so mythbusters i say mythbusters the one that i've picked mm. is not really a myth um but yeah so this is one for you yeah i put this in this because i know that you and i have spoken about this before and you i think you were re- i think <laughs> i think i remember you giving me a really insightful answer um is putting stickers on a hard hat bad really so you're right this is people seem to have a lot of opinion on this um you speak to um you speak to people who work a lot with ppe um, either the manufacturing of ppe or the upkeep and maintenance of ppe um, and what they tend to say is that the glue that's used to um as the adhesive product to stick your sticker to the hard hat um has chemicals in it that your hard hat can't really handle mm. um so what it does is makes it slightly weaker in that area now you're probably thinking somebody's got a a name or maybe like um an id tag or something like that um yeah the odds of making the entire structure of that hard hat weakened by one section that you've got glue on yeah is probably a bit of a long shot mm-hmm. but until somebody does some absolute rigorous testing to see whether the the chemical makeup of that um mm-hmm. adhesive substances is weakening the structure to a point where the hard hat isn't safe anymore um it's still to be seen mm. um i think you see people um <laughs> i've previously been over to america and in america they're the people that work um on construction sites and dockyards have these huge helmets that kind of stick out like cowboy hats Mm, um mm. they look like they're made out of fiberglass um yeah and they are littered littered with stickers if they can get a yeah. sticker to put on their radar they'll, they'll wear that proudly um yeah i imagine that that is probably doing some structural damage um yeah yeah and i think i want just want to pick up on something you said there is that you know they wear the hard hat proudly mm. like how much like there's a flip side to this isn't there of how much effort do health and safety professionals go into to get workers to wear PPE? Like there's always, I've lost count of the number of sites I'll go on where somebody's not wearing a hard hat when they're working, yeah. uh, when they're working on the scaffolding and I have to like pull them over and have a safety conversation or where you've, you've kind of got somebody dropping stone on the side of a footway from a grab wagon and there's just there's somebody just stood under it with stone coming down and they're not wearing a hard hat and you're like having to run on site being like what are you doing like yeah. you know or, uh, yeah. and like people don't wear hard hats proudly no um I, but then you yeah. uh, so i i don't know i just i just wanted to pick up yeah. on that and go you know i, is, I think there's a there... bigger issue there in the uk because a lot of people confuse PPE with uniform and vice versa. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. If if people are asking people to wear PPE or people select that they wear PPE on a risk basis, what is the risk mm-hmm. for me being smacked in the head with something? 
-hmm. Well, there isn't a risk of being smacked in the head with something because there's nobody working above me. There's no, um, no lifting operation. There's no, you're not stood in an excavation where you're now kind of working below other people. So they're working above you. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and then telling people to wear a hard hat, they kind of go, well, why? Mm. So what you'll often find is the weather, that's why you're there. But as soon as you're gone, they'll take them off again. So have you made it safer? No, you haven't really. Mm -hmm. However, if you kind of get people thinking, um, right, what, what is your activity? Right. My activity is I need to work underneath that scaffold or, um, or, or wherever it is. And there is a risk of being cracked in the head where you are at. Yeah, no worries. That uh, for me, that's kind of the things that I've seen. Um, there was a, a case that I heard a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think I might have saw it on LinkedIn where an engineer working up a ladder had another engineer below them in their drop zone. They've dropped mm-hmm. a hammer and it's cracked them on the head. So the mm-hmm. person working under the ladder had clearly no, um, no alarm bells ringing that they stood in an mm-hmm. unsafe position because, because if somebody did drop something, but not just that we, we use PP as the last line of defense, right? So how can that tool have been dropped? It wasn't mm-hmm. tethered. Why wasn't it tethered? Because the risk assessment hasn't stated that a way to mitigate against this risk is to tether your tools. Mm-hmm. So for me, the, the wearing of the hard hat by the person under the ladder, when the, the person under the ladder has gone in a drop zone, so the drop zone couldn't have been set up correctly. The, mm. the hammer wasn't tethered, so that setup wasn't right. We're relying on the last line of defense of somebody wearing mm-hmm. a hard hat for that not to be an issue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Definitely. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on it. Um, I'd like to hear the, yeah. the thoughts of the listeners. Um, I do, and Dan knows this of me, pretty well i do tend to go on rants about things that i'm passionate against and working at mm. high drop zones and tool tethering are well up there on my yeah. list of um of things that i'm passionate about yeah definitely um and it should be i mean you know work at height is is up there on the hse statistics is is one of the biggest hazards and risks yeah. in and the, the second UK, is anyway. things being dropped from height so yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I I just wanted to add some some extra sort of perspectives onto this, which is it, I always I always think when when I first got into construction and people were like don't put stickers on your hard hats, I'm like yeah, but we're all wearing the same clothes and I'm new and I'm not allowed to wear a lanyard with my name on it and I'm trying to get to know people, so <laughs> I want to put my name on my hard hat. Yeah. People are like no, you can't do that. The adhesive's bad for it. Um, so I did a bit of research sort of before the podcast last night because I love my research um, and essentially it's like it's certain types of adhesive Mm. um so like if you want to put stickers on hard hats with people's names on them you can do that but you need to check that the adhesive that you're putting on is the right adhesive and it's not going to damage like you say the coating or whatever yeah um but the main so like there's there's like leeway that that does seem like hard work doesn't it for a sticker on a hard hat yeah, it does. And I think it's like, well, you know, if you're on a big site, like some of the ones that I've worked on in my career, where you maybe have 400, 500 people moving around site at, at any one time, you know, and you, you can't remember everybody's names, it's impossible, uh, actually going to a little bit of effort to find the right kind of sticker. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the research I found is that manufacturers often will offer information on what's 
what they've tested is suitable. So, you know, you can contact the the manufacturer and go, like, can we put stickers on your hard hats and, and have that conversation with the manufacturer mm. rather than just going a blanket ban. <laughs> um, but the other thing I found was that, um, you know, that, that argument's also true for, like, permanent markers. So, mm. y- you know, it's not just stickers. The, the permanent marker can affect the, the coating. But the main thing, and this was really interesting because it totally changed my perspective, is that you have to inspect your hard hats uh, fairly regularly. You, you should be checking them almost, if you're not checking them daily, as an operative, you, you probably should. It's the same as like wearing a bicycle helmet, right? If you're going to get on a bike, you want to check that your helmet is going to be okay before you go for that ride. And it's the same thing with a hard hat it's so much harder to do that accurately if it's covered in stickers. And this was the really interesting thing that I found mm. was one of the, one of the more, um, and I think it's it, like, it's people don't want to talk about adhesives. Like that's boring. Like, sorry, it is. It's like, well, oh, I've got the wrong adhesive. I can't have a sticker on my hard hat. But actually, right. You have to inspect that hard hat. You should be inspecting it at the start of every mm. day before you put it on. It's so much harder to check for cracks and marks and all the rest of it if the hard hat's covered in stickers. And actually, the stickers could be hiding damage. Yeah. Um, and for me, that that makes more sense. And if you you know you're talking to workers of you know you're gonna have to can you inspect your hard hat if it's covered in stickers? No, because you can't see what's underneath it. Are you gonna peel your sticker off every morning to check there's no marks well, underneath it? No, that's, then that's a double-edged sword, anymore. though, right? Because a lot yeah. of those stickers could be preventing damage as well. They could be preventing scratches and scrapes and dust settling and all that sort of stuff so i mean inspect it from the inside i mean you, you're gonna see whether things oh the light coming through that that's not right or yeah or when did that hit me <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't remember because i got concussion from yesterday <laughs> what about what about getting a manufacturer to like um the manufacturer of the hard hats to just put that in the coloring yeah so yeah, you could like required. custom hard hats. Make doesn't somebody needs to like somebody needs to like trademark that straight away. Custom hard hats. You tell us what stickers you would want to put on your hard hat, and we will print them onto the inner lining and cover them over. <laughs> that's that's great. That's the way to sort yeah. that. But I think like it's an interesting conversation, isn't it? And I think it's one of these things that for me, MythBusters is about going. Look, there's this really tiny conversation that we all spend loads of time talking about whether we put stickers on a hard hat and actually it's this much bigger conversation with a lot of things to think about and and what we advocate all the time when we're advising people is risk-based approach so you and i are kind of similar in the mindset that we don't want to be in a position where we're saying this is the hard and fast rule for everybody everywhere and everyone has to follow it that kind of works in things like manufacturing or food processing where you have like a set of this happens, then this happens and this happens. And it's a chain of events that happen repeatedly. And, you know, it's, it's fairly predictable, but when we're, when you and I particularly advising different clients or advising different contractors or different subcontractors or designers, whoever it might be, we always advocate that it is not one size fits all. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, um, we, we've seen kind of a growth, haven't we? of um, mm. um, three-point PPE, four-point PPE, five-point PPE. Like, in a mm-hmm. few years, 16-point PPE. Like, what What are we doing here? Just take it back to its basics. I fully imagine that in, like, 20 years' time, people will just be wearing, like, you know, in um, Avatar, 
we just recently rewatched Avatar. <laughs> they have those like mech suits with the like the guy gets inside it and then yeah. he just completely covered and then it's like yeah, I fully fully think in twenty years time we'll have just gone. You, you know, probably not not to that level from a PPE perspective, but I, I fully expect people to be wearing like exoskeleton suits to to kind of counteract musculoskeletal disorders and things like that. I actually see that that happening. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think what we do is just add another layer on. An accident happened, we'll have another layer on. That's happened, we'll have another layer on. Rather than going back and going, hang on, the controls that we've got aren't sufficient. Stop adding things to them, have a look at the ones that have failed. Can you imagine going to an investigation and being called out to be like, can you come and investigate this? And going, well, he had a sticker on his hard hat, so that's why he died. <laughs> yeah, eventually. It, like, it, yeah. and we're joking, but you know, there's that could, <laughs> I can fully imagine having that conversation with somebody and going, look, yes, there's an element here that it's not great. He had a sticker on his hard hat, but we need to look at the bigger picture of what's going on. Like, And like you say, maintaining good drop zones that's the purpose of a hard hat you understanding the purpose of a hard hat and then going okay so once we've got all that in place then you know maybe we need to start having a conversation about yeah hey folks can we stop having our favorite football teams plastered all over our hard hats first of all it's not great for the hard hat yeah. and also it's you know there's an element this is a place of work Anyway, um, we've mentioned the L word quite a lot. Should we move on to the next and final section of today's podcast? Yeah, do you want to introduce it? Yeah, so LinkedIn, uh, that's the L word there, is one of those places where professionals come together to connect. This is not an advert for LinkedIn. But we've all been scrolling through the feed looking for something interesting, maybe even a new job, and read something we've instantly hit the repost on, or more likely put our heads in the hat, our hand, oh, I've done it again tripped over my words shall i start from no i was where was i i said we've all read something that we've instantly hit the repost button on or more likely put our head in our hands loved and loathed on linkedin is the section of our podcast where we tell you the best and worst of what we've seen on linkedin recently yeah sure so so i'm before we go into it i'm both a lover and a lover of linkedin yeah, definitely. I think there's some here. really good stuff on there, but I think there's also mm-hmm. some absolute dross. Um, I did see mm-hmm. somebody this morning post that the LinkedIn AI bot offered to help them write their post, which is effectively, I mean, this is the last thing we need. Um, it's, it's I mean, enough. you say it's the last thing we need, but some people, you know, it might, you know, it might drastically improve their LinkedIn content. <laughs> so. We, we put some rules on this, haven't we, in terms of, so loved, when we do loved on LinkedIn, that might just be shouting out an individual, somebody that we've seen who, you know, is not being totally repeated. Um, like, we don't need loads of reshares on that because we, we're promoting something good. But on the loathe bit, we do have a bit of a rule, which is we're only going to post, we're only going to talk about stuff in loathed, loathed on LinkedIn that we've seen reposted multiple times stuff that's like constantly come up on our feed in different formats or has been reposted by different people yeah. um and it's just been coming through loads and loads and everybody's smashing the like button but they're not actually sure yeah, yeah. yeah it sounds really insightful 
But as mm-hmm. soon as you peel back the surface, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Shall I go first? I'll go with loved on LinkedIn. Yeah, um, yeah. Then we'll end on the bad thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I hope I'm going to say this guy's name right. His name is David Jasinski. Um, he's an engineer. Um, and he's just like, he's just started um, coming up in my LinkedIn feed recently. And I, I followed him because I want more of this content. It's great content. And I, there are these animated engineering videos that are narrated. And they just show like how some of the biggest pieces of civil engineering around the world has been built. The most recent one was the Panama Canal. But I just found it so interesting to think about because in my head, I was like, oh, they've obviously built it on like flat land. They've just they've just essentially got a, a bulldozer and some diggers and, and all the rest of it. And I mean, massively oversimplifying civil engineering and just cut a massive canal through the middle of the country. Yeah. But yeah, not like that at all. The only downside is the animations are a bit like Mr. Chip style from um catchphrase i don't know if anybody's seen that um yeah i remember mr Ch- i would i would thoroughly thoroughly encourage people to jump on linkedin find dave jasinski um and just follow it follow his feed like there's some great stuff that comes out of it if you're looking for a little bit of quick cpd like i i reckon you could definitely argue it was cpd like you're 100 learning about engineering it's giving you some interesting impact and think just thinking about projects and stuff so would 100 recommend david jasinski Loath on LinkedIn. I think we should swap these every podcast so I don't come okay. across as the whinger. Yeah, we don't end on a whinge. Yeah, and we don't end on a whinge. So um, am I loathed on LinkedIn this week? So here's the quote. 20 years from now, the only people that will remember that you worked late or checked your emails on a weekend will be your kids. Wow. Um, Where to start with this one? Well, I'm, I'm, all I'm going to say on this is that, you know, I hope Alexander doesn't remember this podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, can you remember that time I, hope, I went up to my grandma's with mummy? Um, yeah, I hope I, <laughs> I hope by the time he's old enough to remember this podcast, it's like high quality. And he's like, my dad does this great podcast on health and safety. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's so many points to talk about on this one. I don't know why your son's American. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why he's American either. Um, yeah. Um, I, I do like it when you attempt an accent. That's fun. <laughs> um, so yeah, where to start with this one? I mean, yeah, your kids might remember that, and your colleagues might not remember that. But answering that odd email and working hard to get you into a position where you can provide more for your family—that's that, the aim of the game, right? That's why everybody works. Yeah. Um, so yeah, every now and then it it's worth a sacrifice Mm. i mean um my parents had multiple jobs um Mm -hmm. we my my family is in my direct my direct family my siblings we were kind of expected to not not fend for ourselves that sounds a bit harsh on my parents Mm -hmm. we were expected to have enough about us that we didn't need their time attention etc when they were out working hard in order to mm. put us in school uniforms in order to mm. um mm-hmm. take us to, to clubs and things so that we can mm-hmm. socialize with other children and, and kind of all the rest of it mm-hmm. and nobody turned around to them and said rather than that second job being a taxi driver or that second job working in that coffee shop or, or whatever it was nobody turned around to them and said you're missing out time on your kids this is very much kind of a social media age. Yeah. 
kind of um, wanting people to feel guilty about doing stuff. Like I, I've got a lot on at the minute, which Dan, you're more than aware of. Um, unfortunately, that stuff needs to be done. I need to balance it as much as possible so that I can spend ch- spend time with my family. But the two kind of go hand in hand. Um, I listened to um, a clip. I think it was from like um, um, a preacher in America. And he was basically saying, it's hard to be a man. And I'm thinking, another one of these. I mean, everybody has got different... Um, different views, different opinions, different um, upbringings, different kind of situations that are happening in their life that some was, some of it was anticipated, some wasn't. And he was saying, your child wants you now, your wife or husband or boyfriend or partner want you now, that job opportunity wants you now, that additional qualification that you want to do wants you now. Unfortunately, the older you get, those opportunities reduce. And it's the same, you, your kids grow up and they move out. Um, some some people end, end up having separation. Um, some opportunities aren't there because, um, whether, whether it's discrimination based because of your age, or whether it's just you're, you're not, not capable at that particular age to do that particular thing. And that qualification that you might have been able to do back then, you may struggle with now. So all of that stuff kind of really kind of hammers it home to me that this post is just utter nonsense. It was there for likes, it was there for clickbait. Um, I'm sure the, the person that originally put this out was trying to get a really good point across that the time that you spend with your family can't be replaced. Um, so prioritize your family over work. Fine. If that's what you want to do, do that, but don't guilt people into doing it. If, if I can manage my time well enough that I can see my family, that I can perform at work, that I can do extracurricular activities, and do hobbies and things that I enjoy doing. I'm going to try my hardest to balance that out as proportionately as I deem fit as an individual. You've kind of landed on something there that I think is is so worth picking up in this statement, which is the assumption is that people are working long hours and that's the reason that they don't spend time with their kids. So you should not work long hours because the only people that are going to remember it are your kids. But actually, there's loads of reasons why people don't spend time with their kids, and it's not just work. And actually, it's like, you know, whether you're a man or whether you're a woman, or, or you know, you know, it's hard for both people, particularly in a marriage. Like, you have got to balance things. You have got to balance the time that you want to spend on your own with also giving that person quality time, whether that's your wife or your kids or whatever. But they also have like hopes and dreams and things that they're balancing. And the the task of us as human beings is not to like distill things down into like statements that's like, if you do it this way, you're wrong. Yeah, like it's such an arbitrary statement to drill things down to. And I think this is what it comes back to, right? And why we're doing this section is that 
there's a parallel here with safety. There's a parallel here with health and safety. We drill so much of it down to arbitrary basic statements because we think that they land. Yeah. And actually, when you peel the surface back, you're like, no, hang on a minute. It's not that simple. And it shouldn't be simple because we're talking about people's lives, we're talking about people's health, and we're talking about people's well-being. So it shouldn't be simple. It should take us time to think about this. It should take us time to consider. So like boiling things down into arbitrary statements of like, if you do this, you're bad. If you don't do this, you're good. That doesn't help anybody as a person. That doesn't help anybody as an individual develop. And it certainly doesn't help us develop health safe healthy safe and workplaces full of well-being definitely i mean um going back to what we said we're not doing this to call anybody out we just this is the stuff that that we see that really kind of gets our goat um as mm. the this kind of po podcast develops you'll kind of see there's pretty much a trend and the trend is people who want to be kind of so-called influencers um where what they're actually doing is influencing the wrong message yeah, so that's us. That's yeah, us. We're talking about ourselves. Um, We're going to influence with the not joking. So this one, this particular post, has 18,600 either likes, celebrations, or loves. Mm. It's got 629 comments mm. and nearly 1,500 reposts. Mm -hmm. This is a dangerous message. Mm. This is a dangerous message. Because that is going to guilt a lot of people into, do you know what? If, if this kind of, if it kind of triggers something within them that they turn on and go, actually, you know what? I am working a bit too hard. Whatever, mm. great, mm -hmm. that's fantastic. But mm -hmm. it's that, it's up to that individual to make that decision. Yeah, I think it's just you know, it's also interesting. We could, we we're like nearly towards the end of our time together today, really. Um, I think it's one of the things as well is the only people who remember it, your kids. I have so many memories of people I've worked with that have, have kind of carried their, you know, have, have carried the martyrdom. They've, they've turned up early to the office. They're there late. As you like leave on time, you like feel like you're getting the glare. Like, um, you know, the, it, it's such a complex statement yes. of like, it, it's, It's one of those things where I think the person who's 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 originally written this, and maybe it's a group of people I don't know that have, have sort of written it and changed it until it's distilled down into this statement. Mm. I would say have probably had good intentions. Yes. Yeah. And have probably and again, it goes back to, you know, there's a parallel there with health and safety, is that I think when people try to simplify things, it's not out of a place of wanting to do anything wrong mm. and it's not out of a place of necessarily, you know, wanting to to have a simple answer or being able to put a pithy statement out. A, a lot of the time this stuff does come from people wanting to do the right things, but as it gathers traction, it gets simplified. People are like, bang, am I going to get likes off of that sharing it? Cause somebody else has already shared it a thousand times. I'm going to get it on my profile. Blah, 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 yeah. blah. Suddenly you end up with this like behemoth and the situation just isn't that simple. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, so that is kind of, um all we've got to talk about for today well thank you so much for listening if you can like and comment stuff um search for either of us on linkedin uh, we can connect that way uh, we will probably be creating an adams and hayes podcast kind of twitter page and and all the stuff that goes with this oh we do twitter um yeah i think so i think we do a bit of twitter a bit of instagram um we'll stay off facebook because we're not dinosaurs 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody use Facebook anymore? Uh, your parents. Yeah. Right. If okay. you ever want, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you ever want the answer, who's using Facebook? It's your parents. <laughs> Instagram, all the grams. All the grams. Holograms. So basically, right. any pla- any platform owned by Facebook other than Facebook, correct? Yeah, and Twitter, yeah. great. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Meta, except yeah. Facebook, um, <laughs> uh, and Elon Musk's um, absolute car crash of the Twitter, <laughs> which is now called X. Oh dear. Right. Well, um, yeah. So that's our way of saying find us on social media when we don't have any social media yet. I'm going to task Anthony with that for Twitter because you're the the Twitter maestro. Um, thank you so much if you're uh, listening to this and, and are going to help us shape this podcast as we move forward. And uh, yeah, uh, do you want to say goodbye, Anthony? Goodbye from Anthony. Anthony, goodbye from Dan. Um, we'll come up with a catchphrase to end the podcast or something, but for now, stay safe, stay healthy, stay well. <laughs>